So, I want you to pin your ears back. Um, I'm going to play you a song, um, but I want you to watch. Okay, I want you to listen to the words, and I want you to watch. We're going to play it a second time after I've shared some thoughts. But I want to... I can't... um, I'll just be quiet. Steve. (laughs) Why me? Why did you come all the way out here? The shepherd leaves the 99 on the mountain to search for the one that went astray.
Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. overwhelming overwhelming I've got you to stir each other up to share your faith to, to encourage each other but listen it's because of him it's because of his reckless love because of his determined pursuit of Emma and you Father we let's just pray for Emma Father we lift up Emma to you Lord your reckless love your never-ending, reckless love chases her down and you're fighting for her till she's found. Father, we pray right now for her. Lord, thank you for her, the gift that she is to so many people. But Father, I pray that she would know the gift of your love in her experience right now, wherever she is, whatever she's doing. I pray for an awakening moment that you would arrest her with your love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to have to pull myself together and try and talk to you without looking at your tears and your faith that is so evident. Uh, I want to read to you uh, Hebrews 10, but let me give you my jumping off point. I was listening to a radio program uh, traveling somewhere, and I heard this policeman say, he, he was looking back at his journey that brought him into the police force. And he'd done so many different things. He'd been a teacher and he'd done all these different things. And then he asked this question, and it, the question gripped me because he said, I want to know, how do we live well together? 
how do we live well together? That was his question. He didn't have an answer, but he was asking this question, and he was looking at his life. And that question kind of rung some bells in my head, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's what we need to be pursuing, living well together. Living well together as community, as people, not just as church, but as community. And actually playing our part, sowing the seeds of love and kindness and faith into community. Being outward looking, not inward looking. How do we, how do we live well together? We could say, well, we live well together as a little community. We meet here in secret on a Sunday. They don't know what goes on in here. Or we can stand up and turn around and actually begin to be the salt and the light. We can actually begin to be people who understand where we stand and who we stand in and who we stand for and what we live for and who we live with. And we can begin to bring the kingdom of God to bear in people's lives. So this is... What's been scrambling my brain for a, a week or so. So I'm going to scramble your brain with some scriptures. Um, and hopefully we can make a really nice omelette together. Okay, so Hebrews 10. And I'm going to read to you from verse, uh, from verse 19 down to 25. And I'm going to pause and just make some thoughts. And then I'm going to try and answer from some, with some scripture how I think... According to scripture, we can actually live well together. Understand that it's all because of his reckless love. It's because of his reckless love. His love that has captivated us, that has stirred us, that has rescued us, that has broken us, that has made us, that has healed us and helped us. His incredible, reckless love. So the writer, this pastor who wrote the letter to the Hebrews says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence. Have you got confidence in who Jesus is and what he's done for you? Have you got confidence? Then we, with that confidence, we can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest... Uh, And since we have a great high priest uh, uh, over the house of God, let us pause. Because Jesus made a way where there wasn't a way, we have a confidence now that allows us to come into the holy of holies, into the place where God is. We can dwell with him. We can live with him. We can walk with him. And he dwells with us. He lives in us because we have acknowledged what Jesus did on the cross and said, thank you, I'm sorry for that my life meant that you had to go there. But your reckless love has hounded me and chased me and found me and healed me and saved me. And I'm forgiven and I have a confidence that in all that I am, in all my failures and weaknesses and insecurities and problems and pressures, I can come to you. And I'm not rejected, I'm welcomed. And I am so confident in that. I'm so confident in that. And so the, the past, this pastor says, so because of that confidence, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Listen, I used to be like that, and now I'm this, quoting Terry from a few weeks back. That was me, now this is me. I'm cleansed, I'm washed, I'm forgiven. I'm now a child of the king. He's always loved me, he's always chased me, he's always longed for me, but now I chase him and I long for him because I know that I'm cleansed and that my sin, even when I fail, he forgives me. And there is no consequence for my sin because his death on the cross paid the price for my sin. Man alive. Whoa. No, Jesus alive. <laughs> Man alive. What an amazing Jesus. So this pastor says, let us draw near to God. Then he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. You tell me I'm a failure, I'll tell you I've got a savior. And he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He says, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. You criticize me, he loves me. Because of his unfailing, reckless love, I can stand with an unswerving hope. An unswerving hope. No matter what life brings to me, I have an unswerving hope. I've, um, I've been aware over this week, as um, there's been a Twitter feed, as uh, Tim Keller, a famous, well-loved pastor, has passed away this week. His son has been tweeting about the journey with his dad. And um, that man's incredible faith over three years, having pancreatic cancer, has been quite an extraordinary thing to observe. As this man held on with unswerving hope, no matter what life was bringing at him, bringing to him, his God was faithful. His God was faithful. And, um, and I've been kind of humbled by the incredible faith of this man as he uh, came to breathe his last breath. He had his family around him and they prayed for him and then they left. And just it was just him and his wife. And uh, they prayed together. They prayed together. She kissed him on the forehead and he stepped into glory with his saviour. And I think, wow, see, we can hold on no matter what life brings, no matter what challenges we face. We hold on with an unswerving hope, an unswerving hope. Forgive me, I'm excited. It thrills my soul because this is how I feel. He has promised and he's faithful. And then this pastor says, and so let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds having this sure foundation that we're clean we're cleansed that we can trust him he's faithful then that should moderate our behavior going forward that should challenge us to be faithful to him because he's faithful to us that we should with reckless love love with reckless love because we've received reckless and we should recklessly love you love that person yeah Yeah, I don't like what they do or what they've been. But listen, God loves them. I'm going to work at it. 
I'm going to recklessly abandon myself to actually being faithful in loving and loving and loving, even when it hurts. Consider how we may spur one another on. So how are you? It's going to be rhetorical for the moment. You don't have to answer me. But how are you going to spur one another on? How do you spur? Are you spurred on? He says, the pastor says, let's consider. Let's consider how we're going to do this. You've got to be mindful. You've got to be determined. You've got to be intentional. You've got to consider how you're going to spur one another on with love, towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I I don't. But I'm watching and I'm thinking, goodness me, Jesus, can you come soon? Because we're going to hell in a handcart as a world. We need you, our Savior. We need you, King Jesus. So with the Spirit and the Bride, I'm shouting, Jesus, please come soon. Please come, Lord Jesus. But listen, I love the fact that in Peter we're told that God is not, he is not quick because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He's waiting for us to fulfill our commission which is to love the lost into the kingdom so that the Emmas, who are determinedly obstinate, experience the reckless love of God. Not the Bible-thumping preacher, but the reckless love of God. The reckless love of God. But we have to be considering that. The word consider means to think carefully. It can also mean to think and be drawn towards an action. So you don't just think about it. Oh, yeah. No, no, it should, as you think about it, it should change the course of your journey. How am I going to recklessly, how am I going to spur these guys? How can I stir them up? How can I promote the kingdom to be manifest in their journey? How can I say, wow, it's amazing what you're doing. I'm so encouraged you've experienced a little bit of that. But listen, the kingdom of God advances, and it is advancing. And the day is coming, so if you see the day approaching, get off your blessed assurance and begin to stand on your blessed assurance and begin to be the salt and light, the love and the hope. Quoting Carol, quoting me. Being a hint of hope. She quoted that, was it last week? And I made a note of it because I thought, oh man, that's a really good thing. Hint of hope. And then I realized as I was looking back through my journal, it was something that I said that she was quoting me and I didn't realize that I'd said that. But do you get it? We're meant to be considering how we can stir one another. How can we live well in this community? How can we bring transformation to this community if we live well? What would it look like? Well, I've got one, two, three, four, just five thoughts and five scriptures. Okay? So Philippians 2, this is how I think we might, if we just look at some of these and consider some of these, how we might live well together. Philippians 2, 4 says, Let each of you look 
not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I thought, yeah, if we just take notice of other people, if you just take notice of the Emmas and the Jeffreys, you just take notice, and it's not about you, it's about them. I think it's one of the ingredients that would make a life actually live better because you're about others, not yourself. Then Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And this is my thought. It's going to cost. It's going to cost. If you're going to sow, it's, it's got to cost you something. David famously said, listen, I am not willing to sacrifice anything that's cost me nothing to my king. And he paid for the oxen that he used as a sacrifice when the guy was willing to give them to him for nothing. And he famously says, no way. My king is, wor- is going to cost me. And, and I, I just want to say, listen, don't neglect to do good, but it will cost you. But God sees it as a sacrifice, and he's pleased with sacrifices because it's evidence of your obedience. Acts 20 verse 35 simply says this, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than receive. And I want to say, listen, it's, it, you've got to take notice. It's going to cost you, and it's blinking hard work. It's really hard to keep pushing your generosity, your servant-heartedness, your sacrificial, reckless love. It's hard. It's hard work. You can't just freewheel it. You've got to put your, your engines running, but you've got to put yourself in gear. You, gotta, you can't just rev in neutral. You've got to be in gear. You've got to actually put yourself to work. James 2, 14 to 17 says this. What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Uh, and I've underlined that on my piece of paper. And, I got, and I've got it. I've written, wow, question. That's a wow question. Can faith alone save him? Save you? Is it good enough to just believe? Well, according to James, that belief has to be evidenced. He goes on, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? What good is that? So, also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. You've got to be seen to be a person of faith. You've got to be evidencing the transformed, reckless love of God that you've experienced. It has to be more than words. 
It has to be more than words. And if you live a life that's more than words, that you just don't tell people about the, the fact that you follow Jesus, but people say, what is it about you? Because whatever you've got, I want. When James was um, on, um, James is our son. Uh, when James was on Mount Everest, uh, he'd walked up to base camp. And at uh, base camp, he had a cerebral edema. And um, uh, the, the, the day after James had this experience, two other photographers died National Geo photographers died on Everest uh, in the same place he was from the same thing he had. Uh, but with him, uh, one of the Sherpas that were escorting them up Everest noticed that James was not okay and said, we need to get you down. And grabbed him by the, sh- by the shoulder. And one of the walkers that James was filming was a nurse. And he grabbed the other shoulder and they walked him by his shoulders with his legs moving, but he couldn't walk, couldn't stand up. Uh, he couldn't even sit down. When they sat him down to rest, he keeled over. And he said, Dad, when the, when the Sherpa looked into my eyes and said, we need to get you down, he said, fear came like a fog. And he said, the only way I could push it back was with the word of God. And he said, so I began to quote, Um, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And for eight hours, James was walked by these two guys to the hospital. They they, um, got him to the hospital, and the doctors got hold of him, and they told him the following day that he was about 20 minutes. They see this quite regularly. He was about 20 minutes from a coma, and 50% of people never recover from a coma. The next day, the guy that walked him said, um, well, actually, as he was walking, the guy was saying to him, James, keep doing what you're doing. We're nearly there. Keep doing what you're doing. We're nearly there. Keep doing what you're doing. We're nearly there. And they weren't nearly there. But he was sowing faith. He was sowing hope. Just hints of hope. He was sowing it into James. The next day, the guy said to James, because the next day he was completely okay. He said, James, whatever you were doing when we were walking, it saved your life. It saved your life. And James said, it was the word of God. It was the word of God. It's the word of God. But it has to be more than words. It has to be put into practice. It has to be put into practice. The word of God is powerful and effective, but it's not good enough on its own. It needs to be evidenced through your life. And the, and the fifth one, and the final one, is John, 1 John 3, 17. And I added this one this morning as I was just going through my notes and listening to this song and just worshipping and just letting the Holy Spirit stir my heart. Because you see, if this, if this one isn't there, none of the others will work. 1, 1, uh, 1 John three seventeen says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? And I just want to say, listen, we've got to care. We've got to care. 
And if you care, you see, think about your own family. If you care about your family, you care about your family. They know you care because you'll say things like, how are you? You okay? You'll pay attention to them. You don't seem all right. Do you need a break? Bill, you've been washing up. (laughs) Do you need some prayer now? (laughs) You'll care. You'll care. But if we look at a community and we don't care, you can take notice, but you won't do anything. You'll understand that it's going to be expensive and you'll you'll realize that you're going to have to apply yourself and it's going to be hard work. And you'll know it's going to take more than words, but you'll do nothing if you don't care. And I want to say, if we're going to live well together, we have to care. We have to care for each other. We have to care. We have to care enough to be present we have to care enough not just to be present here on a Sunday we have to care enough to be present in our community we have to care enough to turn up to speak up to show the reckless love of God I want to take us back to the the song and the video uh, but I want to read the words of the song. and um, There's a question right at the very beginning of the clip where the guy says, why me? Why me? And Jesus says, even the shepherd in the mountain pasture leaves the 99. You are loved. You are recklessly, recklessly loved. Some of us struggle to receive it. Many of us have been emotionally tortured and robbed and we feel as though we can't allow our hearts to be open because they've been bruised and broken. But if you let him in, I know this. I know this because I was terrified I was sitting on a sofa with a pastor friend of mine who was just loving me. I was broken and I'd run away because I, because of a prophetic word over my life, I ch- chose to run because I was terrified to let God in to this place that he was asking to come into. And I'm sitting on a sofa at 11 o'clock at night after a, a Bible study that I didn't want to be in. He dragged me there and the there were six people in the Bible study and five of them prophesied over me. And I knew God was doing something in my life. He was hounding me, coming after me. And I'm sitting on this sofa and my friend Bruce is praying and I'm just sitting, just brokenhearted really because I didn't know what to do and terrified. And uh, Bruce looked at me and he just said, Bill, uh, God wants you to let him in. Just wants to just let him in. And, uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. His love would kill me, was what I thought. It'll kill me, it'll kill me. My head was saying, you're going to die. Don't let him in, don't let him in. You're, it'll, he'll, his love will kill you, it'll kill you. How crazy. But this is the battle. This is the battle. We've got to let him in. And then suddenly I found after this resistance in my head, I found as though my heart cried and it was like my heart and my head were in competition and my heart was saying, it cried, help, 
Just help. And he came like a flood. All I can describe it as was like somebody put this gigantic searchlight on in heaven. And the beam of light was just coming through me. And his love was filling me. And I instantly started to sob. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm crying in front of my friend who's a bloke. And then he began to hug me. And then I'm thinking, oh no, what if his wife comes in? She'll think I'm gay. (laughs) No, seriously. The battle, the battle for my mind was fierce, was fierce to shut me up and close me down. But his love overwhelmed me, his reckless His reckless love soaked me and saved me, set me free from stuff that I had not allowed God to touch because of the pain, because of the pain, and he set me free. So when I listen to this, I understand his reckless love. Listen to these words. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life into me. You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. And still you gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming. Never ending. Reckless love of God. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You've been so, so kind to me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. How do we live well? We experience that. And then we live it out. We give it away. We give it away. Recklessly. With abandon. Hold nothing back. My plan is to die empty. With nothing left to give. But I think I might be full. So. This is for you. Steve, can we play? Why me? He left the 99 for you. Why me? Why did you come all the way out here? The shepherd leaves the 99 on the mountain to search for the one that went astray.
before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. been so, so kind to me.
Jesus, Jesus. Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just focusing us on the reckless love that took our Savior to the cross. Jesus, thank you. For being faithful, faithful to the Father's commission. Thank you. Thank you that you made a way where there wasn't one. Thank you. Thank you that you haven't left us as orphans here, but you've given us your spirit. You, are, you have filled us. Yeah. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you need a fresh touch, if you just need for somebody to stand with you, Put their arm around you and pray. Don't go home without that experience. If you need, if you need, full stop, anything, I pray that you would experience his reckless, reckless, reckless love. That he is more intent on you than you are on him, even in this moment.